This is Bill Newman, WHMP. Welcome to the show. Across Massachusetts this week, there are 19 cities and towns holding commemorations of the bombing of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. You can find them listed, we should note, on the Massachusetts Peace Action website. We will have with us this morning the mayor of East Hampton, because among the cities and towns with these commemorations, East Hampton is one of them, and a longtime host of the commemoration of the bombing and the observation and the reflections on the bombing, the only time nuclear weapons have been used in the history of the earth. These commemorations are happening in Greenfield and Pittsfield and Springfield. Again, as I said, some 19 cities and towns across Massachusetts. They are sponsored in large part by Massachusetts Peace Action and Western Massachusetts, of course, by Code Pink. And we have with us in the studio this morning, Mary Ann Sarah, who's a member of the board of directors of, I believe, both Mass Peace Action and Western Massachusetts. Nope, just one? We don't believe in boards of directors at Western Mass, at, at Western Mass Code Pink. Okay. We're all in it together. Okay. <laughs> if there were a board of directors, Mary would be on it, but because it's an egalitarian organization where They're everyone all has... all directors. <laughs> egalitarian and feminist. <laughs> okay. So, Mary, this is a long-standing uh, commemoration in East Hampton that happens uh, every every year. Uh, it used to be sponsored by the American Friends Service Committee, and after Western Massachusetts Office of the American Friends Service Committee closed, it was taken on by the successor organization, the uh, uh, Resistance Center. Uh, and now that the Resistance Center is no longer with us, the commemoration still will go on. I think it's important. I find the service, the uh, event itself, very moving. Uh, I have two questions for you, which is when and where and what will the commemoration be in East Hampton? Um, and then I'd like to talk about why you and others are doing it. And we will also be joined in this conversation by the mayor of East Hampton, Nicole LaChapelle. But let's start with Mary and Sarah. Talk to us. So thank you, Bill, and thank you for having um, this important, important program and issue on the radio this week. Um, it not only are 19 cities and towns in Massachusetts holding a commemoration, but as Pat Hines points out in her important op-ed this morning in the Gazette, the majority of people in the United States are against nuclear weapons. And that includes not just Democrats and independents, but also Republicans. Yes, I noticed that in the editorial this morning. A majority of Republicans are opposed to nuclear weapons. Who would have thought? Not me. But Well, anybody who wants to preserve life for themselves and their children and grandchildren would oppose nuclear weapons. So let me ask you this. Uh, the sponsors for the East Hampton event include the city of East Hampton, of course, and we'll be speaking with the mayor in just a moment, Massachusetts Peace Action uh, demilitarize Western Mass, the Emily Williston, that's Memorial Library, that's the East Hampton Library, the Treehouse Foundation, Prosperity Candle, Mount Tom Ice Cream, Valley Paddle, and as we mentioned, Western Mass Code Pink. Why do this? Why does this matter? Well, it, it matters because nuclear weapons would wipe us all out. Nuclear weapons, together with climate change, are the two major threats that we face to our con 
our own continued existence and the existence of millions of species on this planet. And you really can't separate out nuclear annihilation and climate disaster. And so around the country and around the state, people really feel it's important to remember the lives that were lost in Hiroshima and Nagasaki, but also to commit to never again. The event in East Hampton, and again, we should note there'll be uh, events and commemorations in Greenfield, Springfield, many cities and towns. All this is available. Pittsfield. Pittsfield. All this is available on the uh, Western Mass Code Pink website, no, Massachusetts on, Peace on Action. Massachusetts Peace, Peace Act. MassPeaceAction.org. Okay, thank you. Uh, you want to tell us a bit about the event in East Hampton, which will be as is traditional on uh, Sunday, uh, August the 7th? Well, the event was held in uh, Northampton at Paradise Pond at Smith College from 1980 when Francis Crowe started it until 2017 when we moved it to Nashawanic Pond in East Hampton so that it would be available to a wider audience. And in fact, uh, a couple of hundred people turn up. And this year, when we realized with the closing of the Resistance Center that this 40-year, 42-year commemoration was in danger of not being held, we appealed to, we at Massachusetts Peace Action appealed to demilitarize Western Massachusetts, which includes many of the outstanding young people who ran the Resistance Center until it was forced to close, and we went to Mayor Nicole LaChapelle at the city of East Hampton. Now, it's important to note that East Hampton in 2018 passed a resolution supporting the UN uh, treaty on the banning of nuclear weapons, which in fact is enforced and that we should talk about at some point. And we went to them uh, this year and said, we can't let this not happen. Yes, it's happening in Greenfield, but this is a local tradition and we must continue it. And the mayor agreed, and everybody else agreed, so we went to the people who also had been sponsoring it since 2017. In uh, 2017, the children at Treehouse actually decorated the lanterns that we float out onto the pond, and they're doing so again this year. And also we went to the Peace Pagoda, and the Peace Pagoda has been involved with this also for decades, and they are in fact leading a peace march from Holyoke to East Hampton that same day. They're meeting at noon, and I have to look up the details of where to gather. And we all decided that it must go ahead. The lighting of the lanterns that float on the pond, uh, just as uh, the sun has set, it is, an Im for reasons I can't really explain, but it is just so moving. Um, every time I see this, it, it makes me just... Tear up. There's something about the symbolism, but it's more than that. There's something about the beauty of it, too. Uh, it's both hope and despair. It's really quite extraordinary, uh, and that will happen this but let year. But let me yes. add that that also is happening all over the world. I mean, that isn't something that was invented locally. That is something that has come to symbolize just what you're talking about, our, our grief, continuing grief at the lives that were lost, and our our hope that it will never happen again. But also let me point out that a um, that now Sakurai, who's a doctor in Holyoke, 
Each year, she helps people make the traditional origami peace cranes to take home. And this year, uh, they'll, they'll be singled out by our mayor, and people will be asked to take them home and to hang them by strings somewhere in their house so that they remember throughout the year the importance of this. Uh, Mary Ann Sarah from uh, Western Mass Code Pink and Massachusetts Peace Action. Could you tell us a bit more, if you would, please, about what the event will be in addition to the concluding lighting of the candles and having them uh, set upon the pond? What else will happen? Ah, and, yes. And, and what, ah, yes. Because it's, 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 it's an entire event uh, in, in East Hampton. Sunday, what time? Well, it's a tradition, and we follow a traditional format. We, we can't really vary it because people just cling to this as their optimism. So at 7 p.m., we'll be gathering at the library in East Hampton at 9 Park Street. And there, the Raging Grannies, of course, will sing and ask us to join in. Of which you are one. Of course, I am a Raging Granny. <laughs> and also, the children from Treehouse and families will, will bring their banners. We're going to bring the banners down from Greenfield, which has their event the day before, with an interesting exhibit at the Lava Center, Why I Stand. And we will greet the Peace Pagoda walkers, who will be coming in from Holyoke. Then we will walk together down to the pond, led, of course, by the Peace Pagoda, the Raging Grannies, and the children. And there... We will have a program. Now, here's an interesting addition to our new tradition. We have a neighbor in East Hampton who served in Vietnam, and he brought back from his tour of duty in 67 or 68 a bell that's, that he bought on the streets of Saigon made of used artillery shells. And we rang that bell at the start of the UN treaty ban when it went into effect, in 2018, and Ted is going to bring the bell down to the pond, and he and Stan, who's a Korean-era war veteran, are going to ring the bell. And then also, uh, the city of East Hampton is raising a peace flag, and then also, we have the privilege, as we have had before, of Nancy Janusson, who's a well-known flutist in the area, who's going to play. And then uh, our first speaker will be our mayor, who is taking all of this very seriously, uh, East Hampton, as do 22 other cities and towns in Massachusetts, is a member of the Mayors of Peace, which was started in commemoration of Hiroshima. And then we will have other speakers, more flute music, we'll ring the peace bell again, and then everybody will be invited to light can candles while, we, while the Peace Pagoda nun and monks drum the lanterns out onto the pond. We are speaking with Mary and Sarah. She is a member of Massachusetts Peace Action, Western Massachusetts Code Pink. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk a bit about the guest column in today's Daily Hampshire Gazette. We're going to learn more about the events and commemorations across the state, and we'll be joined by the mayor of East Hampton, Nicole LaChapelle, one of the mayors for peace. We'll be right back. This is Bill Newman, WHMP. In the mood for takeout? 
Want to find yoga classes, music lessons, or art supplies nearby? Save 30% on full-value gift certificates to dozens of local businesses and services from Springfield to Brattleboro and everywhere in between. Whether it's a quick bite for lunch, something nice for a special occasion, or just an excuse for some good old retail therapy, save 30% on full-value gift certificates at the Shop 30 store at whmp.com. One thing I like about working at ServiceNet is that in addition to being a manager, I can still be a clinician. If you're a licensed mental health clinician who wants to make your own hours while also being part of a progressive community mental health team, join us at ServiceNet. For people working private practice who want to also still have a commitment to community mental health, working at ServiceNet gives them the opportunity to do both at the same time. Go to the employment page at servicenet.org. Every Friday morning, Monty visits the wine snobs to talk about wine at State Street. But I don't see wine here, Ringo. What do you got? Well, who am I? You're the spirit guy. Uh-oh. So you're taking me down the road of spirit. So our next whiskey is going back to traditions here. Uh, this is Port Eskeg, eight-year-old single malt scotch. So it's actual scotch. This is Scotland scotch, mm -hmm. scotchy scotch scotch. This is an Isla single malt, peatier in style. This one does not suffer supply chain issues because you wouldn't be giving it to us if it did, right? Correct. It says Port Eskeg, which is a location, but it's an independent bottler that gives them their whiskey. Because there's so many different approaches on whiskey, I really try and hit everything with a very open mind as far as what can be good. This one got 95 points at the, the Ultimate Spirits Challenge. Well, I think this is very good. And how much is this single malt? This is $66.99, so it's kind of right in that low to mid-entry level price point. Find your favorite whiskey and your next favorite whiskey at State Street. If your Spanish-speaking employees spoke better English, would that be good for business? If your English-speaking employees spoke a little Spanish, would that be good for business? The International Language Institute delivers workplace language training, improving communication among coworkers and with customers. You get financial assistance with the Massachusetts Workplace Training Express Fund. They cover 50 to 100% of the cost. So let's get going. Call or email the International Language Institute in downtown Northampton. Want to support the kind of local talk you hear on The Bill Newman Show? Want to hear your business's message here on WHMP? Email us, yourmessage at whmp.com. We'll help you craft a marketing message that'll reach listeners of your favorite WHMP show. And we'll be supporting the local news, Valley Talk, and progressive voices you hear right here on WHMP. Let us know about your message. Email us, yourmessage at whmp.com. And add your message to our mission. And hear your message right here on WHMP. Your message at whmp.com. This is Bill Newman, WHMP. This Sunday, August 7th, there will be, as we've been discussing, a commemoration in East Hampton of the bombings of Nagasaki and Hiroshima. The gathering will start uh, at about 6.30. I think people can then uh, meet at the... Uh, at the library. The program actually starts at 7. That's when people will take that short walk from the library to Nashawanak Pond. That's the beautiful pond in downtown East Hampton. The program will start there at 7.30. You've got plenty of time to get there. Uh, there will be music. There will be s some speakers, including Ira Helfand and the mayor of East Hampton. There will be music. There will be the ringing of the peace bell. 
There will be presentations by Sister Claire from the Peace Pagoda and flute music as people light the candles and lanterns that are set out onto the pond. It's a beautiful ceremony. All those who have been there know this, and if you haven't, you would like to do yourself the favor of being present. Let me turn, if I might, to one of the speakers, uh, East Hampton Mayor Nicole LaChapelle, and ask you, Madam Mayor, why do this in East Hampton? Why have the city be a sponsor of this event? Please. Yeah, I I mean, this we've always participated um, by invitation. And this year, uh, really, the Mary approached uh, the city to be um, really a sponsor of the event. I was delighted to say yes. Um, it is a very moving ceremony, but it's also a very important remembrance of, you know, annihilation. And I, I think that it's a lesson that can't be forgotten. Um, it needs to be, you know, we need to be reminded because it is, it is a strong lesson of just the, you know, horrific power the human race has, has, um, has created. I also, in these times, um, all of a sudden, nuclear threat, uh, nuclear weapon threat, uh, is becoming more real. And that's something newer for younger generations. Uh, we thought that that was over with the Cold War, and it's slowly been building back up. Uh, and it needs to be recognized. And again, going back to the horrific bombings of Hiroshima and Nagasaki, um, to, to bring back a, a very insidious, physical, real moment and happening in human history. The city being involved, I think, really goes, you know, it goes hand in hand with um, the city being a longtime uh, Mayors for Peace, uh, goes with uh, just a couple of years ago, my participation in an international panel where we talked um, specifically about mayors and municipal government and why uh, we would have such a, a resolution or a commitment to peace in remembering Hiroshima and Nagasaki. And, and of course, both of those cities had mayors, the local leaders. And, and how, how do you respond um, and, and how do you lead day-to-day with something like that still possible in the world. We are speaking with East Hampton Mayor Nicola Chappelle, Chappelle and uh, Marianne Sarah, who is with Massachusetts Peace Action and Western Massachusetts Code Pink. Uh, Mary had referenced in our earlier segment uh, the article, the guest column in today's Daily Hampshire Gazette by Pat Hines, who is a board member of the Trap Rock uh, Peace Center. Uh, and let me share with our listeners, if I might, just two sentences from the beginning of that op-ed, which is titled, Where We Stand on August 6th, 2022. August 6th and 9th mark the 77th year since the United States dropped atomic bombs on the Japanese cities of Hiroshima and Nagasaki, annihilating instantly an estimated 170,000 women, men, and children, and sentencing tens of thousands more to eventual death from radiation poisoning and injuries. She goes on to say, this again, this is from Pat Hines in today's Daily Hampshire Gazette, her guest column, American military leaders from all branches of the armed forces strongly dissented from the decision to use the bomb, 
some before August 1945, some in retrospect for both military and moral reasons. So uh, there is, of course, a movement, a worldwide movement, to try to ban uh, nuclear weapons. Uh, and I'm wondering maybe, Mary and Sarah or Mayor Nicole Chappelle, if you could uh, give us some more information about that. Mary? Um, oh, go ahead, Mary. Sure. Uh, in 2017, 120-something countries voted on a ban to abolish nuclear weapons. And to date, 66 countries have ratified that, and 80-something countries are in the process of doing so, including almost every country in our own hemisphere. And then just Monday, the UN held a conference on, on nonproliferation. And reading about it, two comments struck me. The warning that humanity is just one misunderstanding, one miscalculation away from nuclear annihilation. And we all, of course, are concerned about that now in Europe. And the yeah, state and we should note that it was just a few weeks ago, maybe a month now, or maybe a little bit longer than that, when Vladimir Putin was threatening nuclear weapons to be used in the war in Ukraine. And that was the highest level of uh, negotiations and discussion between the United States and Russia about exactly that between Biden and Putin. And there was another statement uh, from that conference, which is, we believe that a nuclear war cannot be won and must never be fought. And we stand for equal and indivisible security for all members of the world community. And that, of course, is what peace advocates are arguing for now in Europe, which is a new order of security because NATO has nuclear weapons. Russia does. Ukraine does. We need to get those out of the equation, and we need a new security. Mayor LaChapelle, your thoughts? I mean, I'll bring it down to the, the local level. Um, and why it's so important for mayors and residents of cities and towns uh, to take action and go to the streets is that any blessings we have where we live can go away in a moment by folks so uh, disconnected to our main street, to our pond. And it's important that that voice rises up from, you know, literally main street. Uh, to say that this is unacceptable and to show, um, you know, our disagreement uh, with using nuclear weapons. I think that the, the calmness of our pond and, and having the remembrance there and the floating of uh, the lanterns, it, it gives a calming peace. And as you see people who are attending looking around, um, they're looking at each other w with kindness and compassion. In my resolution this year, um, you know, and I ask for action, um, and the, the action is kindness, uh, to smile upon someone you may not know just walking down the street, um, you know, to, to show being helpful in an outward way, regardless of how, you know, someone looks, uh, their ethnicity, um, orientation, uh, to acknowledge them as a human and to acknowledge yourself as a human with a very simple uh, act of kindness or a, a smile. 
and you know again i that needs to start right here it needs to start on the side you know uh on the side of our pond and it it needs to be you know more than on the seventh and the ninth um we have to understand and really appreciate each other's compassion within our cities and towns uh so it's strong and it can grow and be understood by the residents here but residents around you know of the world uh, that peace and compassion can occur and does occur among strangers all around our planet um, well, let me I, ask, Madam Mayor, uh-huh. I, I'd love to ask you this. Uh, you, you mentioned mm-hmm. that uh, East Hampton uh, as a yep. city is, of course, a sponsor of this event, and that uh, yep. you and the mayor's office in East Hampton is part of Mayors for Peace. Why yep. do you think uh, that you're, that group, Mayors for Peace, that this kind of local action can actually have some influence or effect on the major players who determine nuclear policy? both in the United States and in countries across the world. Why? I, why? I think that, you know, well, one, I would go back to cities. I, I believe are one of the, you know, city-state is one of the strongest creations of, of the human race. I believe that sincerely as far as a form of government. And I, it shows even one person, right? And then multiply it by residents of a city saying this is unacceptable and also standing with the residents of, of sister cities of Hiroshima and Nagasaki is very powerful. Um, I think it can put a seed um, in somebody who has power way above um, us here uh, to pause, to take even the, the smallest um, breath. And as mayors for peace grow and these ceremonies and actions grow, they are hard to put aside. And I, you know, we're seeing um, more and more action on the world stage um, where folks in cities and countries are being very specifically targeted for, you know, a a basic peaceful uh, existence on an individual and family level. Um, and that needs to be supported. It needs to be amplified. Um, and I, I believe it starts on, you know, the main street of, of cities and towns in, in the country, especially with the U.S.'s stand on nuclear weapons and a, across the world. We have been speaking with East Hampton Mayor Nicole LaChapelle and from Massachusetts Peace Action in Western Massachusetts Code uh, Pink, uh, Mary and Sarah. We hope you will join us all at the uh, event, the commemoration uh, in East Hampton, again, starting at 7 o'clock this Sunday, August 7th, the commemoration of the bombing of with nuclear weapons of Nagasaki and Hiroshima. There will be some really interesting speakers, uh, including the mayor, and uh, as well, uh, Ira, Dr. Ira Helfand, who is, of course, one of the major activists for uh, anti-nuclear, uh, for the anti-nuclear movement in this country and across the world. Beautiful flute, flute music and, of course, the uh, lighting of the candles and the lanterns. A final word from you, Marianne, Sarah? I do hope everybody can join us. This is, this is an event for everybody because nuclear weapons and the production of nuclear weapons affects us all, and we have our future to protect. We leave it there.
Mayor Nicole Ashapiro, Mary and Sarah, thank you both for all your work. Thanks for being with us today. We'll see you Sunday. Thank you. We gotta have peace to keep the world alive and watch the seas. This is Bill Newman, WHMP. For WHMP News, I'm Jess Tyler. Emergency crews were called to a serious crash in Holyoke this morning. The crash involved a tractor trailer and a car with one person in each vehicle. Officials say the call came in just after 8 a.m. No word on injuries. 20 attractions, including the Bright Nights Holiday Lighting Display in Springfield and Three County Fair in Northampton, will share in $2.2 million from the state Destination Development Capital Grants Program. The program's goal is to boost the state's economy by investing in tourist resources and infrastructure. The grants require each recipient to match the funds they receive from the state. Mass Live reports Bright Nights plans to match the state's grant to replace their arches at the Blizzard Tunnel. And the Three County Fairs Grant Award will aid in renovating the outdoor grandstands. Facility workers at Mount Holyoke College are asking for a favorable contract. Groundskeepers, janitors, and trades workers who keep the campus in top shape came together yesterday to rally outside the college. Roxana Rivera spoke with 22 News. The contract expired on June 30th. The college continued not to offer strong wage increases in light of this year and coming years and the workers basically said this is not it's not good enough we we deserve better officials at the college say they value the contribution of all their employees and are participating in ongoing contract negotiations mostly sunny a little less humid today but still warm a high of 86 to 90 scattered clouds tonight overnight low 60 to 66 partly to mostly sunny and breezy potentially record heat for tomorrow a high of 94 to 98 could be a few storms here thursday evening and storms friday afternoon i'm 22 news storm team meteorologist brian lapis 1015 whmp for whmp news i'm jess tyler this news minute is brought to you by our partners at holyoke media Yo soy Johan Rechivega con la síntesis informativa de Holyoke Media. Massachusetts tiene una nueva ley en los libros que protege a los proveedores de salud reproductiva, incluidos los abortos y la atención de afirmación de género de acciones legales fuera del Estado en un mundo posterior a Roe versus Wade, después de que el gobernador republicano Charlie Baker firmó el proyecto de ley el viernes enviado por los demócratas. La oficina de Baker anunció el viernes que dio su aprobación a la legislación que crea nuevos escudos legales para los proveedores que podrían enfrentar demandas que se originen en otros estados donde las legislaturas lideradas por los republicanos están tomando medidas enérgicas contra el acceso a los abortos después de que la Corte Suprema de los Estados Unidos anuló la ley de hace décadas de la decisión Roe versus Wade. El proyecto de ley que firmó también requiere que las aseguradoras cubran los abortos sin trasladar los costos a los pacientes. Ordena al Departamento de Salud Pública que emita una orden permanente que permita a cualquier farmacéutico con licencia en Massachusetts dispensar anticonceptivos de emergencia y aclara las leyes estatales que rigen los abortos tardíos en un esfuerzo para garantizar que el procedimiento sea accesible en Massachusetts. En otras informaciones, los reguladores de Estados Unidos dijeron el viernes que ya no están considerando autorizar un una segunda vacuna de refuerzo COVID-19 para todos los adultos menores de 50 años este verano, centrándose en cambio en vacunas renovadas para el otoño que se enfocarán en las subvariantes virales más nuevas.
Pfizer y Moderna esperan tener disponibles versiones actualizadas de sus vacunas a partir de septiembre, dijo la Administración de Drogas y Alimentos en un comunicado. Eso prepararía el escenario para una campaña de refuerzo de otoño para fortalecer la protección contra las últimas versiones de Omicron. La FDA instó a los adultos elegibles que no han recibido refuerzos a que reciban su vacuna adicional ahora. Yo soy Johan Rashi Vega y esta fue la síntesis informativa de Holyoke Media a través de WHMP. This News Minute has been brought to you by our partners at Holyoke Media. This is Bill Newman, WHMP. We are joined for our regular segment with Larry Hott. Florence-based Emmy Award-winning filmmaker Larry Hott. We have been talking with Larry in his recent appearances on the show about the movie he is working on now that will be on PBS next year about the Niagara movement. And for those of our listeners who haven't been with us with you in the past, Larry, and or to help us and refresh our memories, tell us about this movie you're making and why the issue that it covers and the part of history that it covers is really so very important. Good morning, Bill. Good morning, Monty. Uh, it is important because the Niagara... And, oh, and Natalia happens to be here. So good morning, Natalia. Oh, we're going to bring uh, Natalia in with her own music. music, music Walk-up, come on. Walk up. <laughs> <laughs> so the Niagara Movement, which is kind of an odd name, and it sounds like a dance or something one would do, uh, going over the falls. Uh, but it has to do with a group of people, African-American men. Men is important here. Uh, 59 of them were asked asked by W.E.B. Du Bois to come to Buffalo in 1905 to found a movement. And why? It was a reaction against something. It was a reaction against Booker T. Washington and something called the Atlanta Compromise. So the reason I'm bringing this up now is that we start editing this film Monday of this coming uh, week. Uh, and we have a two and a half hour, what we call an assembly, which means we put together all the statements of people we've interviewed and we got to get this on under 60 minutes. So right now I'm thinking about what is the rub? What is the conflict? What is the real point of the Niagara movement? Which by the way, I'll just tell you in case you're wondering, why is this important? This is this movement, this, um, African-American civil rights movement was the precursor to the NAACP. It's a kind of a creation myth, you know, like if you look at the Bible, first it was nothing, there was a void. And then, you know, out of, out of, out of the, the ephemera of, of, of the galaxies, we, we created the earth. Well, this is, where does, the, where does the civil rights movement come from? You know, it's a long history and, you know, it goes back 400 years, but really what was happening in the early uh, 20th century that made it all to come together? And it leads directly, this Niagara movement, leads directly to Brown versus Board of Education. So this is a crucial moment in civil rights history. It's, you know, it's something interesting to uh, take a look at is Adam Liptek's recent uh, news report or analysis in the New York Times in which Brown versus the Board of Education uh, is discussed because he was particularly interested in why Brown versus the Board was cited 23 times in the recent abortion case at the Supreme Court overruling Roe versus Wade. And it's really interesting to point out that under the Supreme Court's analysis in the abortion case, 
Brown versus the Board of Education, although all the justices say, of course, of course, we support Brown versus the Board. If you use their analysis, Brown versus the Board of Education would have come out the opposite way, and segregation in the United States would not only be legal, it would be constitutional. There would be nothing that could be done about it because it would be constitutionally protected. And that's what happens if you use the Supreme Court's analysis in the abortion case. Anyway, you might remember law school, the phrase arbitrary and capricious. Uh, and this appears to be uh, how the Supreme Court is acting today. But in this particular film, we're not going to get into Brown versus the Board of Education. The point is, however, that the Niagara Movement was one of the first groups on a national level to bring lawsuits and successful lawsuits, lawsuits against discrimination, which eventually leads to Brown versus the Board of Education. But what I wanted to talk about today was what, what the Niagara Movement was reacting against. Um, you know, a lot of people know the name Booker T. Washington. Uh, he's also known as the Wizard of Tuskegee, uh, and that's because he didn't call himself the Wizard, uh, and, and actually it was not always a, a, a positive sobriquet. Um, he could manipulate people, and he was able to get the money for this institution, the Tuskegee Institute, which he basically started. And he was asked by the white establishment in Alabama to start this institute because they wanted, this was before the vote was taken away from African-Americans in Alabama after the Civil War, they wanted him as a figurehead to say, see, if you vote for us, then if you vote for the uh, for the Democrats, then we would do things like put a black man in charge of what became now is a, a historically black college and university. But at the time, it was actually literally a chicken shack. And he, he grew this school into a powerhouse and he became the most famous African-American in America at the time. And in 1895, he gave a speech, which became dubbed, was dubbed the Atlantic Compromise, because I'll, I'll give you an example. I'll just read to you a sentence from what he said. The masses of us are to live by the production of our hands. We shall prosper as we learn to dignify and glorify common labor. It is at the bottom of life we should begin and not the top. In other words, civil rights are not as important as manual labor. We should know what our place is. And the white establishment at the time applauded. In fact, there were people in the audience at this at the Atlanta Exposition, all white audience, who were crying at these words, saying, ah, the conflict is over. The leader of African-Americans, the Negro leader, says that blacks should not protest, but they should do manual labor and only learn enough to, to read of reading and writing so that they can serve their white masters. And there was actually not much of a reaction against this. Even W.B. Du Bois wrote a congratulatory letter to Booker T. Washington. But what began to happen was the rise of the Ku Klux Klan and the return of Jim Crow or, or the heightening of Jim Crow. And worst thing of all was the number of lynchings and what happened was black intellectuals, mostly from the North, which is W.E. Du Bois and a man named Monroe Trotter and many other men, decided that what Booker T. Washington was saying was not working and that the more progressive or radical then approach was more appropriate. And one of the things we try to get out in the film is, what is the echo of that today? Where do we find that protest today? The title of the film, Larry, is what? It's the Niagara Movement, 
uh, and it will be on PBS next spring, but we're editing it now. So this is at the top of my consciousness. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back more with Larry Hott and Natalia Munoz right after this. This is Bill Newman, WHMP. Hello, this is Linda DeGillis, Vice President and Trust Officer at Greenfield Savings Bank Wealth Management and Trust Services. Many of our customers are surviving spouses who have found themselves suddenly in charge of their household's financial savings and investments, which had previously been handled exclusively by their late spouse. A number of our female customers have told us that one of the reasons they moved their accounts to GSB Wealth Management and Trust Services was because they felt patronized or talked down to by their spouse's financial advisor. At GSB Wealth Management and Trust Services, our team of professionals will always treat you with respect and compassion. If you are looking for portfolio management, estate settlement services, or trust services, please call us, Greenfield Savings Bank Wealth Management and Trust Services at 413 775 8335. That's 413-775-8335. Or stop into any GSB office or contact us online through the wealth management section at greenfieldsavings.com. Thank you. When you shop at River Valley Co-op, you get the best local and organic produce, a butcher shop, wine and cheese shop, fresh seafood, and hundreds of bulk herbs, spices, and more. When you shop at River Valley Co-op, you create hundreds of union jobs and generate over $7 million in purchases from local farms and businesses. River Valley Co-op is your food hub, bringing you the best from around the valley and world while supporting your neighbors and local farmers. Shop River Valley Co-op in Northampton and East Hampton today. RiverValley.com. Co-op. 586-1000. Good phone number, right? It's the number Whalen Insurance got when we opened in 1961. It's still our number more than 60 years later. If you need an insurance quote or have a claim, just call 586-1000. We answer the phone, ready to help. That's our pledge to you. Until now. Now when you call, we'll answer. And if it's something clerical or routine, like an address change, We're going to transfer you to the Arbella Insurance Call Center in Quincy. You'll be connected with a real person there, too. You won't be entering your policy number on the dial pad. The Arbella Call Center. I told myself Whalen Insurance would never do this, but insurance agent friends all over New England tell me it actually works really well. So we're going to try it. And if it doesn't work well, I'm sure you'll let us know by calling 586-1000. Whalen Insurance. Local people. Local service, local insurance, in partnership with Arbella Insurance. When it's happening here in the Valley, we're talking about it. Modest, very minimal increase in the police budget, largely uh, due to just regular contractual um, obligations. Holyoke is nothing like Northampton and Greenfield. The quality of life uh, issues or demographics, very, very different. So I can never compare our police departments. The challenges we have going on in our city are very, very different. 1015, 1400, and 1240. We are the Valley. We are WHMP. This is Bill Newman, WHMP. And this is Viacon Munoz. Natalia Munoz is a regular with us, of course, and of course she has her own show here on WHMP, 10 o'clock on Saturday mornings. Uh, Natalia, you were talking to us during the break. Why don't you share with our listeners, please? Okay, first of all, is my face smushed against the screen? So on the radio, you look fantastic. <laughs> okay, can you hear me now? Yeah. Okay, good. I have three bars. 
I, you know, I was listening to, to, to the, the first segment and, and to Larry. So the more things change, they really don't get better in giant steps. They're not giant steps. I spoke to a woman from Selma a, a couple of years ago. Her school obviously was a segregated school. This is before the 1965 the Civil Rights Act. And the, she said she a lot of her a lot of people did not like in her school that now they had to study with white people. They liked the safety of them being in the same school with black teachers, black students, black everybody, administrators. That's what felt safe to them. And what felt very unsafe was to say, oh, now we got to go to another school to integrate it. And that left, that's left me speaking um, from, from <laughs> what are you saying, Bill? <laughs> oh, it's it's a long story. I, I just sent Larry a, long... a bunch of hearts on the screen, but they yeah, make noise in, on, on the computer, so I was apologizing oh, to Monty. Okay, yes. yes, Larry and Bill were sending hearts and, and smiley faces on the screen. It was beautiful. And so I wonder, I wonder, so if we think about that and we think about today and how there's still segregation, and as Jane Baldwin famously said, the most segregated hour is Sundays at 10, how far have we come from that, really? This well, is a question to the group. That's really interesting. Let's go back to Larry, because it's a question, really, about the arc of the civil rights movement. And I'm wondering what your exploration of the Niagara movement, all the filming, the hours and hours of filming that you've done and the research you've done and the archival material you've reviewed, what it tells you about the arc of the civil rights movement and where we are today. Larry, what, what conclusions have you re reached? Well, the very essence of the Niagara movement was that it was all black and at first it was all men they only begrudgingly accepted women but they made a point that they did not want white involvement because they did not want to be controlled by white people and when I asked uh, April Albright and Cliff Albright who were the founders of Black Voters Matter in Georgia what they made of that and what how they feel that ha about that now they said the issue of taking white money and working with whites always comes up now, you know, 100 something years later, of just how much autonomy can you have, right? Do you want, you need the money, you need the support, but you don't want other people telling you what to do. So this, this never goes away. Uh, so the, the Niagara movement is relevant now because the same issue is, is happening. Um, what happens, what compromises do you have to make? And I wanted to ask Natalia this specifically, when you think about the, 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 the squad and AOC and their position in Congress, they're very much like what W.E.B. Du Bois and Monroe Trotter and the Niagara movement were saying at the time. They were saying the compromise isn't getting us anywhere. So do you feel that they are doing the right thing or do you think that they have to make more compromises? I feel they're doing the right thing. And in fact, the more I see Bernie, the more I like Bernie. <laughs> whoa, um, whoa, whoa. Stop, stop the presses. <laughs> Natalia just said something nice about Bernie Sanders. This is 9.52, 55 seconds on August, what is it, the third. It's recorded in history because it, just like the members, the ladies from, I don't like saying the squad, but the very liberal ladies, uh, they 
I think that it, they're absolutely right. Enough with the, enough with all the, the politics as usual. Uh, people have to break away from the usual. The fact that just yesterday, finally, this pact uh, act was approved by the Senate, and this is money that goes to the veterans and the people who worked in the pit after 9-11 to take care of their health, take care of their families, because many of them are extremely sick or have died. These, this Congress is a do-nothing Congress, but this is going on for decades. They just, whenever they do something, it's usually for harm for the common woman and the common man. And if they, what was your question, Larry? Well, my question, I'm going back to the reason I brought this up is that the, in the Niagara movement, the, it was the radical reaction against compromise. It was a radical reaction against. Oh, that's right. And, about, and there, and there the, has to be radical right. reaction. And, and the same way that previously, in a previous segment, uh, we were talking about, okay, we are going to commemorate the, the dropping of these atom bombs in Japan. If they're supposedly to end the war. And that was just a heinous crime the United States committed against Japan. And it seems like this country does not have the standing to tell other countries how to behave when it also has behaved in such a heinous manner, killing hundreds of thousands of people and wounding them for generations to come. And in the same way, they do not, this, this government does not pay attention to the plight of indigenous people. But the fact that indigenous people who live on reservations cannot buy a house, they cannot own property. So, well, I'm going back to the more things kind of change, the more they stay the same. And that's why people like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Bernie Sanders can lead us into, if not the promised land, into real progress. Well, I'm going to push back a little bit on that, Natalia. I think that when you say that the United States cannot tell other people what to do with their democracies or how to achieve democracy, that's whataboutism. That's saying just because we have problems that we can't have ideals and, 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 and help people to do better themselves. No, no, but Larry, look at Afghanistan. Look at the Middle East. The, the United States was a failure. In Iraq, if they, in Afghanistan, where they really wanted to rebuild those nations, they could not. Speaking of my own Puerto Rico, which is my country, which was invaded by the United States, we're still a colony of the United States. So, yeah, keep pushing back. I'm happy to have the conversation. Our, our, are we only our failures? Is the United States only our, our, our worst selves? Do we have uh, a, is there any, is there anything that we can look to in our country now and say, this is good? Oh yeah, there are a lot of things, but then there's also a lot of suspicion. How long will this last? Yes, right. We're on a knife's edge right now. And we all, we all know that we are, we could become a fascist country very easily that, and in fact, uh, apparently, uh, it's easier for democracy to become fascist, fascistic than any other form of government because we, we, are, we are proceeding to vote in the fascists. Yes, but that doesn't mean that, that everything that this government has done or everything the United States has done is evil. And on balance, we are a much better society than we were 100 years ago. Okay, okay. In some ways, we certainly are a better society. But we're not halfway there yet. We're not even a quarter of the way there yet. Women's rights, the women's rights, just starting from there. The rights of uh, uh, Black Lives Matter, we're not there. 
este, in education, in public education, we're not there. These are fundamental building blocks of a peaceful society. And right. that's not what we're learning. And there is, this is relevant to the, the movie I'm working on now, which is saying, um, how much is enough? All right, and it's not enough right now, true. But there has been progress, and this is that that old line about the you know the arc of, the arc of history. Now it's bending towards justice, but it might snap. Um, and our job is to be putting pressure on it without causing a civil war. That's a great metaphor, Larry. Are we about to snap, or is it just bending a lot? And will we withstand that and not snap? Do we have That's enough tensile strength to survive? Larry, could you go back with 30 seconds? I'd like to know your conclusion. Where did you come out with, uh, on, on your film? Or maybe we won't know until you finished editing with regard to cooperation uh, versus uh, 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 singular kind of uh, African-American focus on the civil rights movement. In, in the context of the film and the Niagara movement, it seems that the only thing that worked is pressure, a lot of pressure working together. And, and, but also they ended up having to work with white people who had the money. So working alone did not did not create success for the civil rights movement. We're going to leave it there. Larry Hot, Natalia Munoz, thank you both so very much. Your phone is a radio. Your computer is a radio. Your smart speaker is a radio. And your radio is still a radio. You can listen to WHMP on all your devices and on 1015, 1400, and 1240. WHMP. Do you love fishing, swimming, or boating, but hate the trash you find? Do you want to help protect clean water and wildlife? Whether you live near the Deerfield River, Millers, Westfield, Chicopee, or Connecticut, your local river needs you. Join the Connecticut River Conservancy and help us protect our rivers. Our rivers belong to all of us, and each of us has a responsibility. Together, we can make a difference. The only Learn live and local talk in the Valley and for the Valley. WHMP Northampton, WHMQ Greenfield, a Northampton radio group station. It's 10 o'clock.